to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we showcase stories of inspiring professionals while highlighting the universal principles of success. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by Tally Goody. Tally, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Derek. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, I want all of the podcast listeners to know a little bit about your background. So let me share, let me share some, a few details about who you are and your background. Tally Goody is a California-based attorney and a founder of Los Angeles-based law firm, Goody Law Group. Tally practices personal injury and employment law. In addition to running her own law firm, Tally mentors many aspiring lawyers from high school, college, law school, and beyond. Check out her law firm website at www.goodylawgroup.com. Also, give her a follow on TikTok at at Tally Goody ESQ. And then on Instagram, uh, it's also it's at Tally Goody ESQ. And her law firm account on, on IG is at Goody Law Group. All right, Tally, tell me what inspired you to become an attorney? Yeah. So, you know, I feel like I was never one of those people that knew from the age of 10 that I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I was really like, you know, kind of open to different career options. I wasn't sure. Um, so by the time I got to college, I had an internship on Capitol Hill and I was working for congressmen. So mm -hmm. that experience in itself kind of lighted, you know, some inspiration, like maybe I want to go into politics. Mm -hmm. I wasn't hundred percent set on it, but I was like, you know, law school is, is a good choice for me to get into politics, but yeah. that's just a small factor of it. Um, when I was growing up, my parents, you know, they, my dad, own 7-Elevens and he's a hard mm. worker and same with my mom nice. and they you know my dad had a business partner everything was good you know he was in his prime really blossoming in his business mm -hmm. and then his business partner basically kind of screwed him over and oh, no. he mm. we had to take this whole thing to court and in the end his lawsuit was you know was not in our favor wow. so he lost the business he lost a lot of things you know and it really not only did it financially really impact our lives as me growing up and my mm. little sister, but sure. see what a big impact it made on him and mentally, you know, and forever. And even now still today, it's mm. like impacted. And it really, you know, it's just crazy to see like what, like one decision in a lawsuit can create. Mm -hmm. And so from his story, it's kind of inspired me to help my clients. Cause I am a personal injury and employment law attorney they're going through these really rough times in their life. And I always think back, okay, I want to get them the best result because otherwise they might face like lifelong issues, not only with themselves, but it can transfer into their families, their children and on and on, you know? So it's, I just want to do my best because I know what a big change and a big impact something like that can make on a person's mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As I'm listening to you, I hear a, an attorney who could absolutely relate to that going through that devastating loss is, you know, even in, in, in the, in the law field, but then harnessing that experience to allow that to be inspiration to move you forward. That's, that's always inspiring to me. And I love you, including the detail. Um, I, I of course the, 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 the details aren't glamorous, right. Um, hearing about what, what your, what your dad had to go through. In, in what he went through as even as you mentioned as a really an incredibly hard worker and and uh and as a as an entrepreneur um yet 
in that moment, and we know this from all the inspirational stories, everybody says, you know, yeah, there's going to be something that's good that's going to come out of it, but to see how you've harnessed that uh, devastating experience to fuel you forward in your career, that, that always moves me, and I think anybody listening in can really relate to um, suffering, right? We, we relate, we, we, like that hardship is universal, and I appreciate you capturing that and sharing about that. Yeah, thanks, and I think from suffering, you know, we, we blossom into a better version of ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. we all go through these hardships, we learn, we take those experiences and we make ourselves even better and stronger than we were before. Mm -hmm. and, and the other detail I appreciate you talking about is you didn't know it from an early age. And as, as, as I interact, and you, and you probably have a very similar experience than I do, is when I interact with college students, you know, college students listen to the podcast or I've done different um, speaking events at different universities. And a number of colleges, especially juniors and seniors, are getting to a point of, wait a minute, what do I do for the rest of my life? And there's worry, anxiety, fear, and then there's pressure from the parents who sometimes funded schooling and they, they have these, these heavy expectations on, 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 on the, the, the students but I, I, I'm hearing your story where it wasn't, um, you know, planned out, you know, since you were, as you mentioned, since you were 10 or even, to, you know, early in your college career. I think that is 100% relatable to a lot of students who are in that same, that same boat. So I appreciate you sharing that. But of course, we're able to see, you know, all your success on this side of it because hey, you were there, you related to it, and then you navigated that, you know, with grace to get to where you are now. Thank you. And I think something that's important is to remember that, you know, I think as students in college, they get intimidated thinking, I don't know. And am I too late to decide to go into law? Because I haven't prepared for the LSAT starting my freshman year. I haven't done all sure. this, you know, and mm -hmm. I think, no, it's never too late. You can, mm -hmm. I didn't start preparing until after I graduated from college. So sure. I don't think it's ever too late for that. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, now with your like, that experience in the political realm, I have to ask you as well. Um, now, does that mean that you have a vision for future you know, a political aspirations or is that like you're like, no, I, I want to go in a different direction or how, how did that? I mean, clearly it motivated you to go into the legal arena, but what does that do for your future aspirations? Like, do you see that in your, in your future, in your world or how does that look for you? Yeah. You know, honestly, when I got into law school, I changed my mind. I was like, I don't want to get into politics. I think that I just want to focus on like building, you know, my practice well, actually, at the time in law school, I didn't know I was going to own my own practice. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just want to become a lawyer first and see maybe in the future I'll do politics. At this point, you know, maybe I, I really it's not in my mind right now, but it's not like I've completely eliminated it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Maybe sure. if I decide maybe in the future, we'll see, you know. OK, OK. I like it. I like it. Now, tell me, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? So I really honestly, I like the flexibility on what I want to do. Like you can, as an attorney, there are so many different practice areas you can choose from. And not only, you know, I love to help my clients. That's, that's number one, mm -hmm. but on a business side of it, you want to wake up and really feel like you are enjoying what you're doing every day. And so yes. for me, I, I love that I'm able to kind of navigate and decide how many cases I want to have, or, you know, you can decide to have 100 cases, or you can decide to have 10 cases. It's really up to you. And like the amount of money you want to make what's your goal and so i like that you can have that flexibility to you know even leave your practice area if you don't like the practice area that you're in um mm. and i also really love running my own law firm it's really been so fun for me and it's been like it's like my baby and i'm just watching it grow every day yeah. i'm learning from my mistakes i'm learning from my success you know there's always 
something new that I'm learning every day. And I think that that's the most beautiful part about it. Um, so there's just so many positives to it. And I think there are people always talk all the negatives about being a lawyer, sure. but I have a lot of positives that I, you know, I always try to share to people and mm. just say there's more to it than just working 20 hours a day. You know what I mean? Like what the stereotypes are. So, wow, right, right, right. I, I love you capturing flexibility. And I think that's one of those fears that comes up even back to the college students or even other adults as well is they worry about if I choose one area of law or even in another career in and of itself, am I married to this for life? Or am I glued or, you know, am I gorilla glued to this for life? Right. Like, like this idea of, um, of, uh, the fear of being stuck. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, I love hearing about how you enjoy that flexibility. And even you talked about, you, you talked about your, your, your law firm practice. So you didn't start out right from um, law school and in your own law firm, you worked, uh, you worked for an, 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 another area of law. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So I, I definitely worked at, um, right out of law school, I worked at an art law firm and we also did business law. So that was, I kind of fell into it because I never really knew what type of law I wanted to practice. Like mm -hmm. even when I was in law school, I was like, this sounds cool. This sounds cool. I don't know. You know, I feel like I'm always kind of deciding things as my journey evolves. Not so much like I know from the start exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just kind of like going with it. And I think that's really important to keep an open mind about mm -hmm. everything you go through because something you think you're going to do or something you don't think you're going to do, it ends up being the choice that you, you know, end up with. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I was practicing at a law firm for five years before branching off and opening my own law firm. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Now, let me ask you about that detail, because I think it's always fascinating to hear about the courage that goes into that decision or even the other side of the courage, which is the horse to fear, right? Um, a, lot, a lot of attorneys can relate or even other uh, professionals who have considered the idea of owning their business. It's been in their mind, you know, you know they're, they're listening to this podcast what helped you? And maybe you, you're one of the people that didn't have any fears, but but what helped you to move forward despite some of those whatever fears, worries, doubts, insecurities that were that were there early on? You know, I definitely had fears, and um, I think that everyone does. I think it's normal because you think, well, what if I'm not successful? I love the comfort that I'm feeling in the job that I'm in now. Yes. You know, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, mm. I'm so comfortable. But I was also not working towards any goals. I was just like mm. working towards someone else's goals, going in like very corporate, like nine to five, drive somewhere every day, commute. It was just, you know, corporate America. And I was like, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? No, mm. I, I want to wake up every morning feeling like I have my goals and I'm working towards something that I can invest in. So I think thinking all those things in the back of my head trumped the fear of moving Ooh. forward because I always thought, you know what, I can, I can always go back to another job if this doesn't work out, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I, my mindset was. Yes. Yes. Um, I love the concept of, I think I'm hearing that theme in, in your story as well, like that being okay with innovating or flexing and adapting along the way so if you start the law firm, like you're, you're going to work it out, you know, you know, go strong. And again, for the, all the listeners listening in, I mean, maybe you're not a, an attorney and you're listening in, you're, you're, you're in the corporate setting that Tally just described. And I, I was there, I was there for seven years. Um, and, I, and I remember feeling like my greatest gifts are going to waste. And if you're listening in, you can, and you hear that and you, and you, you say, Hey, I relate. I want you to think about what Tally just described. If you, actually went for it 
in your business, in that dream that you have in your mind. And then realizing if you exit in a mature manner from your current position, you might still have that as an option to come back to. The worst thing you can do, of course, is don't, don't burn the bridge. Um, that, right. that, that's, that's my one uh, warning in that space. But there are so many options along the way, and you just don't even know how much success you can have. But I think your story just captures that, even the way you, you shared there, Tally. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the best change you can make. I know I'm not saying like corporate America is bad because it might be for some people, you know, so I just think it was not for me. And I, like you said, Derek, I I didn't feel like I was utilizing my full potential. I felt Mm. like I was just doing like, I was scratching at the surface of what I could be while I was working there. Yes. Yes. I love that. I I think, you know, it it gave me chills when you said it. Um, And the idea, I remember even in, in my own, you know, story, I remember I, I just gave a speech to one of the, the women's development groups at Nationwide Insurance. And then one of the leaders who was above me it, it came to me and said, you being here, you're missing your calling. It was like one of the worst things, worst and best things I ever heard in my entire career. But he just said, you being in this corporate position, you are missing your calling. And then he walked away. And then it was just one of those moments. But, but you, angel giving you a message. <laughs> right, right. I, I really felt like I, I was the bus was gone or the train was gone. The plane had flew, oh, flew away. Luckily, you know, um, as it worked out, it came back. But I think I hear that. I, what I'm hearing from you, Tally, is you were not going to miss your calling and you're embracing it right now. Right. And I, again, Anybody who knows you sees your hustle, sees how you're shining across um, socials and, and doing so much work. I know we're going to get into that in a little bit as well. Um, but I, I love that how I'm sensing from you that you are responding and then you're living inside of your calling right now. Yeah, I think so. I feel I feel like the best I've ever felt, you know, in my my career life. So mm. I feel good. I feel excited every morning. I'm like, I have all these things to do. And instead of having that mentality of, oh, I have so much to do. I try to put it in that mentality of, oh, I get to do this. Wow. I'm so grateful to be able to do this. Mm, Yes. I love that mindset. Let's give that to the audience real quick. (laughs) All right, audience members, you have things on your to-do list right now. And I want you to take Tally's input and put that into your get to do, not have to do, not need to do, not should do, not supposed to do, but get to do, move that over, switch the mindset and watch that improve your life and your journey. Tally, let me ask you about the next question. What is a challenge you've faced as an attorney that you've overcome? So this kind of circles back a little bit to what we already talked about, but it was about my practice area. It took me like five years to find the practice area for me. So, you know, like I mentioned, the last job I was in before I opened my own law firm, I was doing art law, which was very interesting, Mm. but it takes a lot of time to become successful. Like my boss was, he was, he was already in the industry for 45 years working, creating a name for himself, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't feel as connected to that as he, you know, he had that growing up in his family. Art's just always been a part of him. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't see myself evolving as to his level. Mm -hmm. And he also did business law and business litigation which in my eyes was very dry. And I just felt like it was draining. And it was just, you know, I didn't feel a connection with the work. You know, Mm -hmm. I felt like it wasn't speaking to me. And so I felt like, like I told you, I never knew what practice area I wanted to do. So I felt like that was kind of a struggle where I was like, well, what am I going to practice? I keep, you know, I did a couple internships while I was in law school and none of them spoke to me. And I was like, 
nope, don't like this, don't like this. Sure. Then I got out and I was like, this is an okay job. It's comfortable, but not what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so when I opened my law firm, that was another big challenge in addition to opening my own practice was mm. switching my practice areas. And then yeah. I was like, personal injury, employment law, here we go. You know, because I've seen mm-hmm. my husband actually works in personal injury and I've already kind of became exposed to the the kind of work that they do. And I see the impact they make on people's lives. And I was like, what? This seems like you're building more of an authentic relationship with your clients and you're actually seeing um, an impact and you're seeing wow. the result versus yes. you're doing dry paperwork in an office for a corporation or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. So. Yes. Let me be curious for a moment. I want to circle back to your, your art law again. First, first, you're the first guest who's mentioned the phrase, maybe the first time in my life I've heard art law next to each other. Um, tell me for the listeners listening, they're like, they're like, what in the world is art law? Give us a brief overview of what that was and what you did in that space. Sure. So art law, there were two components to it. There's the litigation aspect, which was, you know, we had clients where they had their pieces of art, um, either they were fraudulent when they bought it, or it wasn't authentic, or they just had some issues with it. Mm -hmm. Or on the other hand, it was the gallery or the artist, something, you know, some kind of issue or dispute with their pieces of art. So that was litigation aspect of it. The transactional side, which is the side I did mostly was acting as a broker between a buyer and a seller for very, very high end pieces of art. And I'm talking Picassos and these are all in Europe. I never actually got to see them. They're just Mm. really, really expensive, real pieces of art. And we'd have to act as the broker to connect the buyer and the seller. Um, And honestly, I thought that was a super cool thing to do, but then none of the deals would go through because Mm. they're just, it was, there was always issues with, um, okay, is the, is the buyer a real person or is the mm-hmm. seller a real person? And so there's always issues, but it yeah. is definitely an interesting area of law, especially if you love art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did learn a lot about art. So that was kind of a cool experience. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. Again, I uh, think another um, element of fascination uh, um, of, of, about your experience and you know what you've learned along the way. Um, now I want to talk about the other thing you said is you, you, you use this phrase. I really love this phrase you use. You said, um, it wasn't speaking to me. Right. And, and I, I love that phrase when I'm reading a book or whatever, or what I'm, you know, listening to somebody, I'm, I'm asking that question. And I asked this, this that same question, which is, um, how is this speaking to me? Like connecting, resonating with my soul, if you will. And I think, that, um, I, I love the concept. And again, I want to get that to our listeners. Um, what speaks to you? What speaks to your soul? And, and I love the exploration that Tally's describing here. And, and, and the empowerment I think it gives to all of, every, everyone out there of five years searching for it, you know, yeah. and, and five years searching for what speaks to you. And I, and I just love you talking about that concept and, and the self-awareness of it, of is this speaking to me? And then being okay if it's not to pivot away from it. I think that always speaks to me about your courage. And I think there are so many attorneys out there that are feeling this way where they're like, I'm in this area and I just, it's not speaking to me, you know, or it's not something I can envision myself really thriving in because Mm -hmm. yes, lawyers, you know, we have a lot of responsibilities, but let's try to have a little bit of fun and really speak to your soul along the way. We don't want to just be some dry human and like, you know, just live 
versus being alive, you know? So yeah. I think, Hey, choose an area that really speaks to you. And if it doesn't, you know, you can move on to another one. You're not stuck. Mm. Yes. So, yeah. You heard yeah. it. You heard it from the authority of, of Tally Goody right here. You are not stuck. You can move on to another area of law. I love yes. it. I love it. Sometimes it, you know, there's sometimes it's that, it, it's receiving that permission. It's a weird thing, right? Uh, of just receiving that permission from somebody outside of our circle, hearing somebody like you share, um, you have permission to change your area of law. Um, I, I love that concept. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about your TikTok success. So, so I, I checked your, your TikTok a few moments ago. And by the way, podcast listeners, I've already subscribed to her on YouTube. I follow her on Instagram. I follow her on TikTok. And I think I've liked her Facebook page. If not, I'll do that immediately after the show. Um, but but um, so TikTok success. So you have 85.2 thousand TikTok followers. What has helped you to grow that? I think, you, I think you've even mentioned that on one of your recent posts or something where you started in was it January of 2020 on TikTok? Yeah. I've been there for a year, almost a year now. Yes. Yeah. So growing. So a number of attorneys um, have expressed like their their desire to, to, to go to do work over there. It's it's a unique platform. Of course, we see it now with reels on Instagram. But what has helped you to build out that eighty five point two thousand um, uh, followership um, yeah. over on TikTok? Yeah. So, you know, I when I started, I was purely in it for marketing purposes of my firm. So I went in and I was posting really, I had no idea what to post. I was just kind of doing different pieces of content to see what people like to see. So mm -hmm. in the beginning, I mean, if you go back and scroll through my earlier videos, I'm kind of all over the place with what I do. And just, you know, I was like trying to find some kind of groove on TikTok because it's, it's kind of, I like to say it's trial and error on your own work to see like what niche you fall into? What do people like to see from you? Because you might think that you're going to be strong in one area of sharing something, but then people don't really respond to it as the way that you think that they would respond. So then you, you post other material and they're like, wow, they love this stuff. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to start posting more about this. So initially I would post just random things. I, I try to post stuff about personal injury. And then one post I posted about um, what you need to become a lawyer. And so I did that one. And that was my first viral video on TikTok. I got over like a million views mm. and this was in, I think February or January of last year. And then I was like, wow, people are like, really want to know about this. And I, you know, I didn't know. I thought it was so basic. Like you could just Google like what you need to be a lawyer. <laughs> and so I'm like, I didn't know everyone wants to like learn about this. I have plenty of information to share on this kind of stuff because I've been through it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's when I started posting more on the lines of helping out aspiring lawyers and I started seeing that there was a lot of traction in that realm. Um, in addition, I do, you know, I would still post my personal injury stuff or law firm related things. And that actually got traction too. I posted something about being a law firm owner and a lot of people want to know about how to create your own law firm. Mm. So I'm starting to see like what people want to see and what they don't want to see. But it definitely, yeah. as you can see, it took me a year to get to 85. So it, it took a while to kind of figure out what was working for me, what wasn't working for me. And also the TikTok algorithm, nobody will ever understand it. So mm. you just kind of have to go with it and embrace it, mm. you know? <laughs> you know, I, I love your... Um the courage to explore right and i think that element and putting again putting yourself out there to figure out what the, the i think i think that, that resonates to a lot of uh, a lot of listeners of figuring out what people 
want? Like, what do the people want? Right. And, and, um, and I think asking that question, um, it's, and, and talk about the, even like that, that demographic, right? The demographic is, is, is it's, it, it, uh, at least the, the stats tell us it's, it's a younger demographic and it connecting with that space. Um, how do you think that, that that's connected? I, I, as you, I, I mean, I'm hearing it from you kind of now, but when you think about that demographic, is there anything you try to keep in mind as you're, you know, you're, you're in your creative process and it, it talk about your creative process as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely try to keep things in mind that I shouldn't make things too complicated. And when I'm posting about maybe law related issues, really break it down because there are most people that are watching are not, obviously they're not lawyers and they're haven't even gone to law school yet. So mm -hmm. I really like, I'll forget, Oh, I didn't really break what that means. Cause I'm having all these questions in my comments, but like, what is that? And I would assume that everyone knows what that is. Yeah. So I think, you know, really trying to make it simple, and mm -hmm. to the point and where it catches people's attention within the yeah. first two seconds. I mean, you really got to capture someone's attention. Attention spans these days are very low. Mm. So right, you right. want to be able to like, you know, when you're creating a video, really think about, okay, what is something that no one's going to scroll? They're just going to see and be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to keep watching mm. for another like, five seconds. Because videos on TikTok are at least 15 seconds. They can go till one minute, but they yeah. always say, try to keep it. 15 to 30 seconds, just because mm. those, I don't know, there's all these tips and I'm not sure what's actually successful and what's not successful. Sure, sure. Um, now, but yeah. Now talk about your, your, your baseline. I'm curious, because again, at now that you, now, given that you've had a video that again, that's, that's been viral, million views, um, do you have a different a gauge for success, like for a video now? Because again, when you start, you just, I mean, you know, um, I imagine it could be, you know, if anybody says, you know, likes it, comments on it, hey, you know, I feel pretty good about it. A year in, I got 85,000 followers. Do you have another a baseline of a success measurement that you think about from a, a, hey, this video really hit, this video really connected with the people? Do you have a different baseline now than you had maybe a year ago? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was like looking back on my videos. And my earlier videos, the translation from views to likes was so like very huge gap. I mean, I would have a million views on it, but I'd only get like 60,000 likes. Mm -hmm. And so that's not a really good correlation with like, you know, and I'm not sure if maybe back then people just weren't liking things as much, mm -hmm. but now I'll post things and I get like, I've had a few other viral videos that have gone to like 3 million. I've had mm -hmm. two that have gone to 3 million. And then those in relation have like over 500,000 likes, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm starting to see, okay, it's not all that views. It's about sure. putting out content that people actually want to see and what they want to like. Mm. And, and so that, that was a difference from back then. I feel like I've learned, like there are certain things and certain qualities in a video that I would add now that I didn't have back then. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's great insight. Um, and I, again, I appreciate you sharing about it because, um, People, um, people again. I'll be putting myself in that in that category. People without the, the the TikTok success or the the social media success you've had, um, it's just great to learn from somebody who's again further ahead. And then you go, mm -hmm. okay, well, what's worked for them, or what's even some of the correlations you shared about there with uh, the um, even the views to likes, you know, and it's figuring out how to how to gauge all of that. Um, now talk about I mean, funnel. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to add a little bit more. And I mean, just yeah. like a tip for creating content. I mean, and I think that this is what people get stuck on is really just be authentic. And I think what I'm learning recently, I've been joining a lot of clubhouse discussions and like trying to learn more about developing my brand and more mm -hmm. about 
growth from social media, really yeah. like, you know, try to be a storyteller of your experience because that's what people can relate to versus just, you know, let me advertise myself with like, you know, cheesy advertisements that people are going to be like, scroll. I don't want like, <laughs> to sell me something right now. You know, I storytell and let people relate to you. So then they want to know about what you do. They want to learn about your product. They want to learn about your service. So I think that's a really big tip to keep in mind. Wow. Love it. I love the, the storytell component. And I, I understand that I, I, for me, I understand that fundamentally when I'm speaking, right? Like get a story in there and I'll use, you know, parables and illustrations and visuals and all of that. Um, and it's helpful even, even for me as I'm digesting what you're sharing and I'm thinking through, oh, like, yeah, you use like Derek, use what, what works for you with audiences that moves them emotionally, that makes them um, see it, feel it, smell it, you know, um, um, and use that same concept in, uh, in social media, uh, in the social media space. So I think yeah. ph phenomenal insight there. Definitely. Thanks. <laughs> now, so talk about this notion of fun funneling, maybe your, your, your followers to other, other platforms. Some people, again, without the following that they have, you say, oh, it's easy to send people from one platform to another. Some people say, hey, it's really difficult. What's your perspective on, um, on funneling your followers, right? So um, yeah. what, what do you think about that? I think, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. I do have moments. So for example, if a video on my TikTok goes viral, those are the days where I'll wake up the next morning and my Instagram following has gone up exponentially. And that's because, you know, my page has gotten so much exposure and on TikTok, I think you know probably that you can link your Instagram account to it. Mm -hmm. So usually people will be like, oh, cool. I want to see their Instagram. You know, if you really made such a deep impact on their scroll, scroll sessions. So mm -hmm. they'll go onto your Instagram and follow. So I've noticed that that's a great way to funnel from TikTok to Instagram when, you know, you have your Instagram linked to your account. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what I do is when I notice the video is getting traction, I'll comment on my video and say, Hey guys, for more like details about this, check out my Instagram. And I'll actually type in my account on there mm -hmm. and I'll type in my business account. And then people will, it will like funnel people that way. So yeah. sometimes it's a nice reminder. I try not to do it often because that is kind of, you're like pushing people to really just get to your app. And it's, not as authentic as like, mm. you know, you're just kind of naturally having it on there and allowing people to go on there. Yes. Um, in other ways, I feel like I have like my, my link tree on all my bios mm -hmm. and my link tree has uh, the link to my subscribing to my YouTube or um, going to my Instagram account, going to my TikTok has everything that I have on socials in there. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's definitely like, I think having a huge following on one platform it can be easy to funnel that platform into smaller ones. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of started doing that. It's not something that, you know, you do all the time or consistently, but I think you just have to pick your special moments to do mm -hmm. so. And like cue people, remind people, you know what yes, I mean? Yes, 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 yes. No, I think that it's, it's, it's a, it's great insight. And I think what I'm hearing from you, I, I love how you captured the point of if not, not pushing people again, if they're, if they're, if they're with you, you know, I think sometimes I think about it like if they're with you at one party, you know, if you will, a lot of people don't necessarily want to go to get in their car and go to another party. They just want to be at that one and have fun with them there. But for you, I, I'm hearing from you as being strategic and purposeful of, hey, well, hey, well, this one's getting a lot of traction. Let me plug another platform because, again, outsiders looking in, they simply see a, a following as authority. 
oh, this person, again, you, you know, you're an influencer, right? Like the yeah. bigger you're following, the bigger you're, you're influence. Um, but I, I, I appreciate you capturing um, that detail. Yeah. yeah, of course. And I think that another important thing is like, sometimes if you want to funnel people, funnel, you know, audience into one other platform is to think about what can you offer on another platform that you can't offer on that platform. So for mm -hmm. example, on my TikTok, I'll post, Hey, I'll, I'm sharing more insight about this upcoming event I have on my Instagram. So make sure to follow along there because I'll have more updates there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yes, so yes. TikTok's a little bit harder to do like store. You can't do stories and keep people in the loop at all times. It's more so like one post move on. And sometimes not all of your audience will see your post so mm -hmm. they can miss so yeah. I think being strategic in that sense really helps. Sure. And do you have a rhythm you really aim for when it comes to the amount of times, even from a TikTok or, or, or Instagram, like where you really go for, hey, my goal is this for stories. This is for Instagram posts. Um, this is for reels. This is for TikTok. Do you have any kind of like aim that you're, that you're pushing for in that space? Yeah. You know, well, recently I've been because I follow like these social media gurus on TikTok and I'm learning all about reels and how you, you know, reels are very beneficial these days on Instagram because it's using the same algorithm as TikTok. So it's really pushing you out there and you're getting a lot more exposure than just doing a regular post on Instagram. So I, you know, I've definitely been trying to post one reel a day and not necessarily on my grid. I know it's kind of weird, but you know, you can post it. So it's just on your reels page and not on your actual mm -hmm. main page. Right, right. So I've been doing that and that's been getting a lot of traction because it's getting out to a lot of people that are not following me. So mm -hmm. I do that. I don't have a set number of stories I post a day. Sometimes I feel like posting stories. Sometimes I don't. I feel like mm -hmm. They say post 10 stories a day. That's just not realistic for me. I can't mm. post 10 stories. I mean, maybe, but in one day, but not every single day. Sure. And so, you know, I think you have to find what works for you. I try to post at least like on my personal account, I try to post once a, a week or sorry, once a day. And then on my business account, I'll post like four, four times a week. Mm. Just try to keep things, keep the algorithm flowing. So I'm still you know, relevant on people's pages. <laughs> sure, sure. And then on TikTok, is it the same thing for you? Or, or what kind of um, rhythm do you, do you aim for there? TikTok, I try to post once a day. It's recently I've been kind of busy. So like the last couple of weeks, I haven't been able to do that, but I'm trying to get back on that track this week. Mm -hmm. It's honestly, it is hard to keep up with TikTok and Instagram and all these social media apps. So I think my best advice is to just choose one or two and really focus on those because there are just so many out there right now. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Uh, no, I thank you for that feedback. Now let's talk about this idea of um, converting prospects into clients. What does that look like in your space? Um, talk about, um, I'm, I'm always curious and you and I, I did message a little bit about this on Instagram. Um, but I'm always curious as you, you know, your, your, your following has been again, incredible at, at that 80,000 mark. But then, but then, but then it being a younger demographic, how those translate into from, you know, it's, it's in some states, you know, the number of teenagers mm -hmm. into clients, what has that been like for you? Um, um, again, moving them from, hey, these are my followers to, oh, actually, well, th th these have evolved into some, some clients. Like, what has that been like for you? Yeah. So I think honestly, like I mentioned before, I think the most important thing is if you're storytelling yourself, you're naturally talking about your work. People that are following you are seeing that you are, 
I am a personal injury lawyer. I am an employment lawyer. So in the back of their mind, if hopefully they don't need me, but if they ever need me, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, wait, I can reach out to Tally. And I mean, not only that, but I have definitely gotten clients through TikTok through just the same exact thing that I've mentioned to you. So it's definitely happened. I've gotten like my, some of my biggest cases from TikTok. So mm. I, um, you know, it, it's a nice demographic because, you know, in the attorney world, a lot of cases are passed through referrals, attorney yes. referrals, you know? Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I'm trying to become more consumer based. So they're like, oh wait, let me remember Tally. And then for example, if I can't help them, I could always refer them to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I've like created such a huge network within the United States where I'm like starting to create this referral list where I'm like, okay, uh, they need a PI attorney in Texas. I got this list right here. Let me send them to here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And same, I've gotten referrals from other TikTok lawyers. They're like, oh, I have a case. They're in California and they send them to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? I am building a network, not only with my followers, but with fellow lawyers on TikTok. So yes. I think in that aspect, you're able to get clients professionally and then consumer-based as well. Mm, I love that. And I, w- I want to make sure we uh, highlight that for our listeners. Um, especially business owners out there is what Tally just mentioned is not just thinking about herself, but thinking about her colleagues. And I think that's one of those principles. Again, I, I, I almost get tired of hearing about this in, in success books because you, you, you just see it mentioned all, and, it, and it, it just works. It's if you focus on giving, you know, and Tally's talking about this with content creation, giving, even as you just heard her describe giving to her colleagues, She's realizing that she has access with her 80,000 person following on TikTok. People will ask her for legal representation, potentially in in areas of law or even in areas around the United States that she does not practice in. Yet, instead of just, you know, um, saying, sorry, I don't have, sorry, I don't do that. She is being purposeful with giving out, with, with directing referrals to mm-hmm. colleagues in her space, it does take, I imagine that takes a little bit extra effort and time, Yes. But, but the connection and the gratitude you're building, again, across the United States with other attorneys, that's invaluable relationship building that potentially is, is not built anywhere else. But people, people even say in the business, they say, the best compliment is a referral and exactly. you're helping to really, really compliment other attorneys around the United States by just referring them because of your follower account. Right. And I even actually sent a client to Canada. I mean, I have like mm. a colleague there and I'm like, you know, I do have to take some time. Like I'll have to get the basic facts from them. Like, Hey, what happened? So I know I'm sending them to the right person, you know? Mm. So that does take a little bit of time, but it is rewarding. And even the, the, potential client is like, Oh my God, thank you so much for sending me to this attorney. I really appreciate it. And that just feels great. Yeah. I'm not getting paid really like from her or him, but I'm able to at least direct them somewhere when they're in this hard time of their yes, life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, and, and, I, and I love that element of altruism because one, we know it's connected to happiness, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, you even said, it. you said it feels good. It feels good to be a yeah. part of solving people's problems and, and helping to, to, to help people out. And in that space, you're helping more than one person. You're helping them. And often in areas of the law, you're helping not just them, you're helping their family, you're helping their community, you're helping, you know, th- their, their tribe. And then you're also helping out the other uh, law firm as well. So I could see how that's what I know, what I know about success and about the universe is if when you give the universe apple seeds, the universe will give you apple trees, you know, you give 
the, the, the universe will give you apples. You, you get the universe apples, the universe will give you apple trees. You get the universe apple trees, the universe <laughs> will give you apple orchards. And what I'm hearing from you, you're just giving to the universe. And we just know fundamentally that's going to somehow, some way through one shape or form will come back and build onto your own success. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, uh, now in, in the social media space, um, there's so, as you mentioned earlier, there's so many tips out there. There's so many, you know, up and coming gurus. And, and, and I'm curious, what, what tips do you hear that you just go, you know what? And you might, might've mentioned, I already mentioned one or two of them. Um, you know, you, you just, you pretty much reject um, of the social media tips that are out there from all of these uh, gurus that come up and pop up. I mean, honestly, it is the fact of having to post every single day on every single platform. I'm just, <laughs> I don't think that's realistic as much mm -hmm. as I'd like to physically be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just can't. And then I'll feel bad. Like, Oh shoot. I didn't post on Instagram today, you know, and I'll be like kind of kicking myself for it. And then I realize, Hey, I'm getting like too like mentally disturbed by just social media. That's not what mm -hmm. this is supposed to do for me. It's supposed to be more of a creative outlet. It's supposed to bring me joy, not like stress, you know? Ooh. And so when that happens, I kind of like step back a little bit. I'm like, you're getting too much into this. Like take a breath you're doing fine you could take mm. one day off from posting you know what i mean so i think the pressure of having to post consistently mm -hmm. can really be something where i feel like i try to stick with it but i'm okay with not and i think everyone should be okay with not because it's just not human it's not mm -hmm. realistic unless you have a company that's actually doing all of your posts for you like you're paying someone to do it but if you're doing it yourself you gotta have your own you know i'm running my own law firm i'm doing work like business work legal work it's a lot, you know? Right, right. So, no, yeah. I appreciate you, you sharing that. And I think one of, one of the things I'm hearing from you is you have a, a heightened and a deep sense of your, your own, again, that self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And you're being, being aware of how is this experience, experience or even this self-imposed expectation or even, again, this socially imposed expectation of regular posting, how is it influencing me? Is it is it a again blessing or is it a burden is it providing um peace to me or is it providing some problems some some inward stress but i what's really helped you with that self-awareness um that I'm, I've, I've pretty much heard on all of your 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 responses today is what, what what's help what, what helps you you with self-awareness you know so i really um like overall i try to keep really consistent routine in the morning i know morning mm -hmm. routines you probably heard that's like the key to success from all the successful people out there, but mm -hmm. I try to keep that, you know, I'll wake up, I'll, I'll exercise. I meditate every day. At least I try. And I think I just try to come back to doing things that will just like take my mind off. Like I've started playing piano again, like mm -hmm. things like this to keep me grounded and keep me, you know, and I read, I love to read books. Mm -hmm. So I read books. I, I try to do things that keep me well-rounded in addition mm -hmm. to being a lawyer and on social media, because all of this stuff can sometimes drain you if that's all you're doing, you know? And I think the most sure. important thing is to always remember that rest is important mm -hmm. and to remember that you're a soul in a body and it's not just, you know, mm -hmm. you're not a robot. Yes. I think there's all these things you have to remember and always stay connected with how you're feeling. If something doesn't feel right, back off and think about it. You know, like yes. I was trying to film some TikToks on Saturday and I just, my body was just like, or I was just like, no, you need a break, you know, and my, mm. I was rejecting it. Like it was physically and mentally, I was rejecting it. Like I just couldn't do it. And mm. so I was like, okay, take a step back. It's okay. <laughs> like, yes. let's move on, you know? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. 
I, 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 I think that it's really empowering um, to hear um, from somebody else, again, somebody else who, uh, who, who, who feels that burden, right, of, again, whether it's posting or, 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 or whatever it is, but I, I love the notion of if something feels off, it probably is, and it's probably laying, like, maybe right underneath like the conscious level like maybe it's it's it's, it's right in uh, under that um in that subconscious space like I, I don't understand it fully maybe i filed it away before but something's bothering me about this situation this setting and to step back and be aware of it now you you mentioned meditation i want to ask you about it is because and everybody kind of has a different goal in their meditation some people are very much hey they're visualizing whatever this their success goals for the week or the year or whatever it is when you talk about meditation, what does that mean for you? And what, what, um, how do you know when you're effective at it? So for me, um, I don't think about my goals when I'm meditating. I think about, because I think for me, the most challenging thing is to remember that I'm in the present and mm. bring myself back because that's when we start getting anxiety. That's when we start feeling overwhelmed or we get, mm. you know, depression because we're thinking about the future. We're thinking about the past. So I always, my meditation is all about staying present. So all I'm doing is focusing on my breath and mm -hmm. noticing like breath going in and going out. Um, and that's when I know that it's effective when my mind is just calm and I can feel the anxiety go away, you know? Mm. And so that's kind of, for me, that that's the most important thing. Yes, I'll journal and like, you know, what's my goals? What What is my week goals? But that's separate from my meditation. I always give myself at least 10 minutes in the morning before I do any work to get into the right mindset and mm. to clear my mind and just take deep breaths. So mm, Yes. I think that's really practical and helpful for us to think about uh, this coming back to the present. You know, we can so easily not be in the present, be caught up in whether it was stress or worries or burdens or problems from the past, or even mistakes or shortcomings we had, we yeah. could get so caught up with what we have to do tomorrow, the next week, next month, along the way, or even later today. But it's coming back to the present. I think it's such a practical concept. And then also focusing on just, just the simplicity of being alive, of simply breathing. Um, thank and you for that hard. insight. It's hard coming back to the present. It's not easy. I mean, mm -hmm. if you try to sit there for 10 minutes and just not think about anything else besides sure. what's happening now, it's, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It's rewarding. Yes. Let me ask you what might be the final question. Um, and unless something else hits me in the moment, um, what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? All right. So my husband, he's also a lawyer and um, he, for me, he is my favorite person, one of my favorite mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And I really like his, um, just how kind-hearted he is. I mean, he is so kind-hearted, uh, so sweet to animals. I know that's like, it's just the sweetest thing when I see him and so genuine and authentic. And I want to be, you know, I want those qualities in addition to a strong work ethic. I mean, he really inspired me to get into this realm of work into personal mm -hmm. injury. I mean, I see how he works, how hard he works. And I see like, you know, the benefits and the rewards he gets out of it. And that's mm -hmm. kind of like, he inspires me in that way. So I think those are my favorite qualities of him. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom is one of my other favorite people. And she's always just always reminded me to enjoy life. It's mm -hmm. one important thing. She always tells me, even when I'm going through the hardest time in my life, when I'm like mm -hmm. so focused on working, she was like, enjoy life. It's okay. It's okay. And she always made it so much easier 
when I'm stressed about work or I'm stressed about something, she's like, it's okay. Just take a break. Enjoy yourself. You know? And I think that that's so <laughs> important as a parent to be able yeah. to tell you, like, just take a, you know, take a load off, relax. Mm. Your life's short. And she always tells me that like, you're, these are the best times of your life, you know, enjoy them. Mm. So I think that's something that I always think about. And I'm glad that she's instilled that in me, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Um, if your husband and if your mom are able to listen to this part of the interview, I want, I, I want to let them know phenomenal job. I love seeing Tally light up as she talks about, again, husband, which was authenticity, your love for animals, your, your, um, how hardworking you are. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, mom, so, 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 so Tally's mom, I think hearing about how you impress enjoyment into her journey. I love hearing those qualities. I think all of the podcast listeners, I think we just have a few, we just, get, we just received a few more qualities that we can embrace as human beings to continue to evolve and, and become better people ourselves in our own journeys of success. So I'm going to squeeze one more question in there um, with, with, with your husband being an attorney as well. Is that, is that something you, you, you both talk about as far as working in the same law firm? Is that something in the future? Does that come up? Do other people ask about it? What, what, what is that like? Yeah. So, I mean, he's currently working in a, another law firm, um, but it's definitely been something that's asked and it's not something that's out of the question. You know, I think maybe not so much now or in the near future, but definitely long-term wise, uh, mm. since we are doing the same line of work and he's more of a trial lawyer. I'm more of like, I've never done a trial yet. So it is something I want to do, but I'm not, I don't classify myself as a trial lawyer. So I think that we balance each other out well in our different qualities that we have mm. as lawyers. You know what I mean? Awesome. Awesome. Well, you, 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 one, you have to keep me updated on all of that. I think that's, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, one, you gotta, you gotta let your husband know he has to come onto my podcast and let him know he has an open, he has an open invitation. I love to hear uh, from him as well, but, but Tally, thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast today. You were a joy. And, and, and by the way, you have to circle back and, and, and come back for part two. We, we learn more about you and your journey. I think there's so yes. much to unpackage. So you're invited That's to come back. I would love to come back anytime. And I'll have my husband come on your show as well. <laughs> All right. I love it. Well, thank you. Um, let me let the listeners know that this episode is sponsored by Strong Life Scholars, whose mission is empowering Latinas with law student scholarships, undergraduate scholarships, community impact guidance, professional mentorships, and professional skills training. Thank you once again to our precious listeners for tuning in to another episode. Be sure to go over to the Apple Podcast app and give us the five-star review. Remember to subscribe and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you.